Hi, and welcome to Finding Your Flow, the podcast. My name is Jen, and I'm your host. I'm an intuitive business advisor, founder of the School of Intuitive Leadership, and United Nations consultant. I help entrepreneurs find the path of least resistance, make the biggest impact, and experience exponential success. This podcast is about learning to trust your gut and take intuitive leaps forward towards the expansive life that is calling you inside. In these episodes, I will be inviting you to intuitively lead and live your most aligned and expansive life. We will talk about what it looks like and feels like to listen to our intuition, which comes through the channel of our right brain, and how to take action on it, which happens in our left brain. My mission is to help you navigate your business and life with your most important asset, your intuition. Get unstuck and take leaps that will allow you to bring your visions and yearnings to life. I want you to leave with aha moments, deep insights, clarity on your next steps, and more importantly, a reminder that the solutions and clarity you are seeking are right inside of you. Make sure to connect with me over at jenniferjaneyoung.com and join our community at theschoolofintuitiveleadership.com. Hi everyone, it's Jen and I'm super excited to share with you today a really incredible interview with Ali Bertion, um, who has become a dear friend of mine. And the reason why I love her story is that we really dig into what it looks like when we do not say yes to our yes, what it looks like when we don't listen to our intuition and how essentially our intuition just never gives up on us and will continue to speak to us louder and louder. And we all go through these moments in our lives where we kind of feel like everything is is falling apart or breaking down. Um, And these moments can be like really scary, but they're always leading us towards something really important. Um, And this is really kind of the essence of Ali's story of following her gut and really trusting her intuition towards a path that was really unconventional um, and to follow a nudge that she had been feeling since she was a little girl. Um, You're gonna love her, she's friggin' hilarious. She's one of the people who makes me laugh the most. And her book, which we dive into in this episode, Dear Universe, I Get It Now, um, is just so incredible. So you're gonna learn more about that as well. So let's go see Ali and enjoy the episode. Sometimes we say like really awesome things before actually doing the yeah. interview or some- awesome the whole time. I don't know what you're talking about. It's already starting right. You take this clip right now and use it. Yeah, this is it. This is the podcast <laughs> and we're done. <laughs> My neighbor's knocking. Just a moment, please. We will be back in a second. <laughs> I think he's done. Okay. Um, so <laughs> what they need for is the house on fire or do you want to go check outside they're doing construction they just decided they're going to hammer something into the wall oh. oh okay and when things are easy that's usually when we have you see the bird uh-huh. yep look at him wagging his tail He's like, I want to be in the podcast. <laughs> He's like swinging on my on my rope. That is so cute. <laughs> my drop. Then... <laughs> this is the book, and we're done. Go to her and website. Go get it. Go get it. Love it. Review it. Buy more for your friends. Well, my dear Ali, I'm super honored to have you here. And I actually um, almost had a panic attack last night because we've had a hard time getting this in the books. We've rescheduled a few times. 
right? And then last night I had a major power outage and I was like, fuck no. If I have to go sit beside Starbucks with my dogs in the car because I couldn't leave them alone because there was no AC, they would die of heat. If I have to go sit beside Starbucks and like piggyback off the Wi-Fi to, to interview Ali, that is what is going to happen. But yeah. the angels That's came good. in. <laughs> yeah, okay, I got I got power again. So I'm super happy to be here with you. Um, you are literally one of my favorite people who was connected to me through one of my favorite other people, Megan. And we share so many um, common passion around writing and books and publishing and all that stuff. And um, I'm excited to talk about, obviously we're doing this special series right now called Say Yes to Your Yes, How to Trust Your Gut and Take the Leap. Um, and so I wanna just kind of dig in and, and talk about how you were led to this incredible book that you wrote, and uh, just kind of your journey of like moving into entrepreneurship and any of those intuitive nudges that that came through. So thanks for being here. Oh my gosh, thanks so much for inviting me. It's so funny that you said like you were panicking last night because um, this morning I was like, do I have the time right? Like I, I kept like double checking my calendar as if it was gonna magically move itself to some other <laughs> like half hour slot or whatever. And then um, a team member was like, you have that podcast this afternoon, right? And I was like, oh no, it's like the time where you think that you packed your keys, but then all of a sudden you think you didn't get your keys, even though yeah. you just looked. <laughs> so we were right there like in sync, like, is this gonna happen? Is this happening today? Um, yeah. I'm glad it is happening that we're here and um, there's some cool shit to talk about. We do. We have some super cool shit to talk about. Um, okay. So tell me first, like what, what, what were you doing before? Okay. What are you doing now in your business? Just, let's just talk a bit about the work you're doing now. Yeah. So now in this iteration of my business, um, I am a book coach and ghostwriter. And that's predominantly working in memoir. That's the space that I like to play the most, though I will help clients with, um, you know, kind of more prescriptive nonfiction or self-help motivation, that kind of personal development space is kind of my jam, uh, which makes sense. It's closely related to memoir, really, um, when we think about kind of the psychology of humans and um, their journeys and what they go through. So I like to say that I'm a writing guide, ghostwriter, and girlfriend all rolled into one. Yes. And I like to say that you're my book coach, <laughs> my ghostwriter and my <laughs> teacher person, because you are like, for, I'm publishing a, like a small book soon, but I have this memoir book in, in mind. And I'm like, yes, when I have the power to do that, Allie's going to be my person. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. that makes my heart happy. Yeah. I would usher you along to the page and say, you can do it. This is going to be awesome. Cause that's pretty much what it's like. Yes, exactly. And I, I like so many times I've thought of like, if I can just bring in like a giant contract that could like float me for the rest of the year, I'm going to hire Allie and just like, just play with this book project for like the next year. It's like my dream to be able to like put pause everything and everyone and like, just do this. So yeah, I think we both have me the too. Book. I would like to do that too, for my own books. <laughs> <laughs> Because it's very hard to write your own books when you're working in everybody else's, but I do love it. Yeah, I imagine. So how on earth did you get to this work? Like, what were you doing before? Oh my gosh. I feel like the better question is what wasn't I doing before? Uh, <laughs> really? 
I felt like there were so many different stops along the way. So the Cliff Notes version, right, is that I really felt like I was born with a calling to be a writer. I mean, I knew by the time I was five that I, I that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to write books. I wanted to do something with books, but predominantly I was thinking I wanted to write them. And um, flash, you know, flash forward however many years, I did get my undergraduate degree in writing. I got my graduate degree in writing. Um, and so I graduated with a master's of fine arts in creative writing, uh, but then moved back to Vermont where I originally was born and raised, um, was in a relationship at the time. He wanted to be here. So I was back in my home state and there wasn't really anything wrong with that from a social familial perspective, but not a really awesome place in terms of, um, having a career working with books, you know, while here. Uh, there weren't a lot of, you know, traditional publishers based in Vermont. There weren't a lot of publishing houses, generally speaking, small or otherwise. Um, and at that point, those were the only understanding that I had of what I could do with my degree. And part of that was really bad on my, my master's program. They were very focused on only telling us that there were certain things we could do with our master's and they really weren't thinking outside the box. So it was like, you can go work for a publisher, work for a, a small independent kind of college press or like be an adjunct professor and never make any money. Um, those were like the outlets, right? And so it was like, if I just compared those up against Vermont's kind of job landscape, it was like, these don't exist. Um, and so I found myself in this place of like, how do I use the transferable skills or how do, or what are my transferable skills to get employment? my student loans are going to kick in, like I have bills, you know. Um, and so I started off in a nonprofit that was focused on preventing child abuse, huge worthy cause. It's still, you know, something that I care deeply about. Um, but I hated every moment of the job that I had, which was teaching technology safety to students and parents and teachers across the state. Dear and Lord. I was just like great presenter, and that was fine, but just, I did the same thing over and over and over again. I traveled all over the place and it just wasn't for me. Um, from there, I moved into an academic publisher, the one and only that was like hidden in some building in, uh, in Burlington, Vermont, but I was only there for three years because they got acquired and then, uh, we all got let go. Okay. Um, so I lost the job that I loved. And then from there was in a law firm and then from the law firm over to a software company. I mean, so literally like ding, 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 ding. It was just like this pinball going around trying to figure it out um, mm -hmm. over the course of, I would say about five years, um, all these different jobs within five years, just trying to figure out like, maybe I'll be happy here. Oh, maybe I'll be happy here. Maybe I'll get to advance over here. And there was always this promise of advancement or, well, your role can expand or we'll give you something else. Or we're trying to figure out where you fit or all kinds of different reasons and things. Um, and they just never, they never kept their promises. They never um, got to a place where I felt deeply satisfied or fulfilled or that I was doing what I was supposed to be doing. There was just always this discontentment. Um, I'd always start really hopeful and energetic and enthusiastic. And I would land in this place after a certain period of time when I was like, this is, this isn't it. I'm meant for something else. Um, so 
I would say that the the feelings, those feelings that I would always come to was definitely the intuitive nudge. Like, yeah, it was flash. This is not where you're supposed to be. Like, um, yeah. but I didn't recognize that that's what that feeling was until much later. Um, yeah. I just thought like, I'm just really hard to please. Like I, I thought that it was me that like, I've got too many big dreams and I'm way too enchanted with this idea that like, I'm going to grow up to be a writer. I'm, you know, I really felt like something was wrong with me. Um, yeah. and, uh, and then at that last stop along the way, the software company, um, it was like the perfect storm of, of personal and professional things that happened that kind of ripped the rug right under, underneath me. And the universe kind of like dropped me on my ass and said, will you just get it already? Um, <laughs> yeah. And that is kind of where we ended up jumping onto the entrepreneurial path. Ah, oh, I love it. Although it's excruciating in the moment, I just, I love how intuition just keeps coming back to like, first, it's like a gentle, like, Hey, yeah. And then it's yeah. like a little harder and then it's like a slap in the face and then it's like a kick in the ass and then the kick in the ass is painful and we're like why is it so painful but it's because yeah. we had we weren't getting it before and I think you know it's interesting because I had such the same experience as you you know growing up or like trying to become an adult um before I was an entrepreneur I always felt like I was too much I always felt like my visions my dreams the things that I wanted were at were too much and same thing I was always landing somewhere like super excited at the beginning and then being like burr, 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 feeling yeah. really bummed out yeah. but um I think it's important to know that that those scenarios when like you keep hitting that wall are actually really important because it's the process of elimination and that's how we get to like peel all the layers of things that don't work and just finally get to the core which is the thing we're meant to do, the thing we've been like feeling called to do for such a long time. Um, and it's like the thing that just runs through our veins. Like that's yeah. what we're meant to be doing. Um, I'm curious because you were saying like, you've always known that you were meant to be a writer. Like what did, what, what was that feeling that like, when did it start? And because for me, that's, that's clear cut intuition. Like telling you yeah. what you to be doing. So I've, I've looked at this different ways over the years, because since jumping onto the entrepreneurial path, I've definitely gotten more in touch with my, my woo side, um, or my spiritual side. And I've learned more about myself from a human design perspective, from a, from a past life perspective, from a, um, kind of auras and essences perspective. And, and so through all of that kind of like inner, uh, inner learning, I'll call it. Um, I came to realize that I'm, I'm what they call claircognizant. Mm -hmm. I just get like whoosh, downloads, like, boom, that's it. <laughs> and I think that's probably what happened when I was, was young and there was just no language or understanding for it. You know, um, I loved to play dress up and I loved to create, uh, stories using characters from movies and books that I already loved. Um, when my sister wanted to play Barbies, she wanted to dress them up and walk them down the runway as if they were in a fashion show. And I couldn't have been more bored. <laughs> I was like, please, can they have dialogue and conflict and be really dramatic? Because that's what I wanted to like, I want Ken and Barbie to be on a full on argument because Ken was doing something real dumb. 
and Barb is not happy about it. So I think storytelling was always kind of a, a part of something that really spoke to me. Characters spoke to me. I fell in love with books and movies really easily. But I think it was when I was five and I got my very first black and white composition notebook in school. Um, and we had designated time, you know, every week where we were practicing our own letters and writing. And then we got to illustrate our own pictures that I was just in love. Like I just loved doing it. And, um, you know, similarly at that time, I was really obsessed with the Ninja Turtles, but the boys in class wouldn't let me be a Ninja Turtle because I was a girl. And yeah. we, we could talk about that separately, but that's a totally different topic. But my way that was to create my own like comic books um, or stories of the Ninja Turtles and creating the storyline and the plot that they were going to follow and then bringing it back to school the next day and being like, this is how we're going to play, you know? So if you're not going to let me be a turtle, I'm basically going to tell you what today's storyline is and we're going to act that out. And, um, yeah. you know, you're going to do it this way. Um, so it was just always the thing that felt right, that lifted my spirits, made me feel whole or, or fulfilled. Um, and it was just always this, like, what are you going to be when you grow up a writer? Like, it was just this very distinct. <clears throat> and, um, I think what's unfortunate is between point A of knowing that and point B of actually doing it, there was a lot of doubt along the way. Some mm -hmm. put there by myself, but a lot put there by other people, which then only encouraged my own self-doubt. Um, yeah. you know, because other people couldn't understand how I could know how I could be so determined or persistent about this, um, you know, that wasn't practical, et cetera, et cetera. I'm having a massive download for you right now, but I'm gonna have to tell you after, because I don't want to drop this on the podcast, but I'm getting like, remind me after the podcast to share this insight with you, <laughs> channeling something really exciting, but we will get to that at the end. Um, so I love what you just shared because I always tell my clients or just any business people like that I chat with when we're talking and they're feeling disconnected or like not sure what their path is or what they're supposed to be doing. I always ask them like, what did you do when you were a kid? Like, what did you love doing? What just came naturally to you? Because, you know, we still have that thing in us that comes naturally to us, but now we have the brain of an adult, you know, which is like left brain, you know controlled mostly and and we forget we forget like this thing that we used like that we've always just done so naturally and you know this is what I talk about a lot at the school is like the right brain the left brain and how you know intuition comes through the right brain kids are in their right brain they live in the right brain which is why they're always having so much fun. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, they don't need to function, like they don't need the left brain so much because the adults are taking the role of the left brain. But I think it's something really interesting for anyone to reflect on of like, what did I do when I was a kid? What did I love, like, you know, just digging into and I would get lost in for hours. Mm -hmm. um, and that's just generally as simple as that. Like, that's the thing that we're here to do. Then, you know, the the more challenging or maybe creative side of that is to like figure out how to turn that into a business or a career, or monetize it so that you can actually keep doing it. But um, yeah, I love how that, how, how I love how you were led to that. Um, 
Okay, so let's talk about this freaking incredible book that I love. This is, okay, so your book is called Dear Universe, I Get It Now, Letters on the Art and Journey of Being Brave and Being Me. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is clearly what you've just been talking about is like just being brave enough to follow your path. This book, I, it has a very, very specific purpose in my life. I pick it up when I'm feeling like shit. <laughs> yes. It's, it's my therapy book. When I'm feeling like shit and I think life sucks and everything's breaking and I'm doing everything wrong, I'm like, yep, I need to pick up Allie's book. And then I'm like two sentences in and I'm like hysterically laughing about myself on my sofa. <laughs> so... Yeah. There are Thank those little funny nuggets and then there's like the other ones that are like, you know, weep worthy. Yeah, but there's all of it. That's what I love. So one of the reasons why I picked this up when I feel like crap is because one, the weepy parts remind me of my humanness Yeah. of like, oh, right. I'm not broken. Okay. It's okay that I'm feeling like, you know, a mess right now. And then all the funny parts are just, I mean, it's you, your humor. I love it. Um, I love particularly about, um, when your son called you a big penis or something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. True. True. He did do that. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's evolved to grumpy mommy. Oh, Why well, are you being grumpy mommy? And I'm like, I'm not being grumpy mommy. I'm being mommy. Who's repeated herself four times. And I'm now tired of repeating herself. <laughs> That's who I am in this moment. <laughs> I mean, grumpy mommy is a good evolution from big penis. It is a good evolution. I think probably because over time I've had to have a lot of conversations about how we use our words in public and other places yeah. and also about our bodies. Got a lot of body talk in the last <laughs> years since, um, since the penis. Uh, yeah. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, this, this is like so good for the soul, this book. So um, why don't you share a little bit about this book what it means to you and how how you were led to it like what 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 was that nudge what did it feel like what did it look like to write this book yeah so I guess I'll start by saying that this book is like my whole heart I mean it's and I think probably every book will be my whole heart in one way or another but it's my whole heart in that um somebody once called it a love letter to writing mm. um that is I think that is partially what it is from my perspective as the person who's lived this experience, because honestly, this, this whole kind of being brave and being me for my own sake, the being brave and being me was to become the writer. I always knew I wanted to be and, and knew that I, I should be. Um, but for others, what I'm hoping that they're getting out of it is not that this is a love letter to writing from my perspective, but that they feel a little bit stronger to be brave enough to be themselves. Because I don't think I'm the only person who had a distinct thing in their childhood that they love to do that they've since stopped doing. That right. might be a clue to maybe some happiness or fulfillment or direction that they need right now. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's it's my whole heart because it's like, it's, it's a 30 year dream in the making. Um, mm -hmm. And it really is a 30 year dream in the making because I was five when I knew I wanted to be a writer and I was 35 when this book came out. Wow. Um, coincidentally, my son was five when the book came out. So he was the exact same age that I was when I first had the dream to write a book. Um, and when he came home, uh, it was, I had him that night because we're, you know, a divorced, divorced family. I have him half the week. He came home the same evening that the first 
I think the the first proof had arrived, um, or maybe it was a couple of days later. And so the proof was sitting on my desk, and his light, his eyes just like lit up, um, seeing this book on my desk because he could see my whole face on it, right? right. And he was like, "Mom, what is this?" <laughs> I mean, he was just like, like it was magic. Like I was in two places at once. Um, and I said, "You know, like you know, I've been writing." I've been writing a book. Well, this is mommy's book. And he was like, I'm going to grow up to write a book someday. And in that moment, I was like, this is this right here. Like this was not my original intention for the book, but I had completely overlooked the power that this book would have, not just for myself, but for my son, Mm. because I, I was the kid that was told for a little while that I could write the book because as a child, it was an okay dream to have. As I got older, it was not realistic, right? But now here I was at 35 with my own book, able to say to him, you can do this if you would like when you grow up. Like yeah. no, huh. no doubt, no anything for me. Like I'm not about to squash your 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 dreams here. Um, and that's also a little bit of the whole message of being brave to be you, like not letting anybody stop you from persevering on something if yeah. it really means that much to you or not dimming your own light because other people don't get it. Um, you know, it's so difficult to be different or to be different or whatever it is. Um, but in terms of like getting there, like getting to this book, I mean, honestly, it was like, so I I alluded earlier that the the universe pulled the rug out from underneath me and that's what caused me to go onto the entrepreneurial journey. So let's just say the cliff notes version is that in 2017, or 16, um, when I started at the software company, a series of things happened. Um, one being that my marriage started to fall apart, two, that I miscarried my second child. Um, and then shortly after that, we separated. Uh, my grandfather died somewhere in there, which is not necessarily as important, but it was just like this domino series of just horrible shit, uh, yeah. hard adulting shit to deal with. Yeah. Yeah. And then on top of that, the job, that was the only thing that felt like it was left standing, started to kind of go downward. Like all of a sudden, like they pushed off the promised promotion by six months. Then there was something else that happened. And then before I knew it, um, I was being pulled into a regular meeting, but told that I was more or less being demoted, um, even though I was the lowest person on the food chain. (laughs) I think they just didn't want to fire me because they didn't want to play me unemployment. And they were hoping that by like taking away responsibilities that I would just quit. And they also changed my supervisor to somebody that I didn't want to be supervised by. Um, but because I am who I am, I dug my heels in and I said, well, I'm not leaving until I've got something lined up. Like that was my internal dialogue. Right. Um, and at that point, with that being like the last straw, like the last thing of my world to be standing now, not standing any longer. It was like, there's only one direction to go. And that was up. And I didn't know what up meant, (laughs) but it was this kind of, okay, I gotcha. All of that nudging that you've been doing prior to about jobs or relationships now come full force, knocked me on my butt. And, um, what do you want? What do you want me to do? Because obviously this marriage wasn't it you know, parenting was only going to go so far, apparently, um, you know, what, what, what are you doing? What, what's, what's tell me. 
I give myself up to you to, to guide me. And it was like, when I decided that mm -hmm. traditional roots and avenues in any area of life were not my thing, that was when everything lined up and we had a new domino effect happening of all sorts of opportunity and wonderfulness. I mean, all the right podcasts and people and advice and encouragement, all of it just kind of zing, 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 zing. I mean, it was like each day was like a new fascinating piece to a puzzle. And I didn't have the picture, but I could feel that something was shifting and changing. And um, eventually what ended up happening was I got introduced to somebody who trained people to run their own virtual assistant businesses from home. Um, and I had never heard of a virtual assistant. I had never considered remote working or starting my own business. Like I just knew that a nine to five wasn't for me and I didn't know what that left. Um, but when she told me, well, you can make a whole business from writing and you can get paid. I was like, shut the front door. <laughs> I went and got a master's of fine arts. And nobody said to me that I could make an entire business from writing and get paid. I mean, I had one free conversation with her. I spent thousands of dollars on my master's. I was a little bit pissed, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. Um, but she, she, was, she said this one thing. And again, download, boom. Next day, I signed up for the program, put it, you know, paid for it with part of the sale of my marital home that, you know, um, that I had gotten and was all of a sudden on this path to, to start my own business and all, all have to be based on writing. Six months later, I had two months of living expenses saved up. That was it. Gave my notice, walked out of my day job, um, on a wing and a prayer and two months of living expenses <laughs> and said, well, sink or swim, baby. Like that's where you're at. Like you're, you've got two options. Um, and about 10 days later, after being out on my own for the very first time, I flew to Missouri to meet this woman who was running this program she was running a live event. I wanted to meet all these fabulous women that I had been talking with online. And when I was sitting there, um, listening to some of the other presenters, what came to me next was that the first iteration of my business, which was content writing and copywriting was not where I was meant to end up. This was just a place to start. And as I listened to these women who are up there, they were these fabulous, wonderful, successful powerhouse women. And they were weaving in these stories of trial and tribulation. You know, um, one of them had been robbed at gunpoint while working at a bank and, you know, went down the road of PTSD and mental health challenges to the point where that actually broke open what she was supposed to be doing in the world. And now she was doing something entirely else, like, you know, not in the family business working at this bank. And this other woman, you know, talked about how her mother never wanted her and made that very obvious. And, and yet what you could see was that where these women had been had contributed to who they had become and how successful they now were, right? And I just knew in my heart of hearts that what I was meant to do was to help, help women originally. Now I've broadened it, but to help people tell those stories, to share those, you know, vulnerable, messy life moments, um, yeah. and inspire other people. And so I was like, somewhere along the line, I'm going to get to the point where I'm a book coach and I'm a ghostwriter, but I can't, I can't really say that I can do these things without doing it for myself. Right. And that was when I knew 
I needed to write my own book. I needed to honor my own stories. I needed to show people what I was capable of. I needed to put my masters to use. I needed to do it for me to not just continue to talk and give it lip service that this is what I've wanted to do my whole life. I want to write a book, but to actually yeah. do it. Yeah. Um, and so I went home and I think maybe two weeks later, I kind of knew that I needed to write the book. I didn't know anything else about that, but I woke up having a dream of the words, dear universe in a black and white composition notebook. And that was it. That's all I knew in the beginning. So one of the things I wanted to highlight about what you said is that the sink or swim thing. If anyone listening ever doubts if they're meant to be an entrepreneur or not, entrepreneurs always swim. We never sink. And this is something that I've learned. Like we are so persevering and we have Mm -hmm. so much stamina and we just know that we're not meant to be in any other world than this world of entrepreneurship. So it's always, the choice is always swimming. I feel. Um, so I just wanted to highlight that if ever someone's like, I wonder if I'm supposed to still be an entrepreneur. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. Well, I, mean, I think, I think when it goes to that, it's like, there will be moments where you feel like you were sinking, yeah. but think about the alternative, which is to go back from, from back, go back to the place where you were before you'll yeah. realize that it's an alternative. Yeah. Which yeah. The only place is to swim. It's just a matter if you're doggy paddling for a little bit, or if you're going to go for like a full breast, you know, stroke. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, so I think entrepreneurship really is, it's riding the wave and um, yeah. being comfortable with falling off balance and getting back up on the board. Yeah, absolutely. And what's interesting about the story you just shared is like, like you clearly had a tower moment, um, which the tower, the tower card in tarot is one of the scariest cards. It's literally like a building that's burning and like people are throwing themselves out of it. It actually, (laughs) it's like really scary. Every time I look at the card, I get this, like, it actually looks like one of the scenes I remember seeing um, with when the twin towers went down, there was like, I don't know if you saw that scene with one of the people jumping out. Like that's literally how that card makes you feel. It's so scary, but unlike the Twin Towers, the Tower card um, is actually probably one of the most beautiful cards in the, in the deck because it is literally a moment where life is doing you a favor by trashing everything that n- cannot move forward with you, that is not meant on your path, um, that, that removes like anything that is not aligned. Um, the only thing I want to maybe put a parenthesis around is like, losing the baby because I think that that's a whole other topic but everything else in the story you shared I feel like was really a moment in life where um you were being invited to shed and like start new again and and that's really and probably if all of that would have not actually it's not probably if none of that would have happened if you would have not had the tower moment this book would not exist I think about that all the time actually you know like gosh where would I be now if x y or z hadn't happened and you know you know i know you put the you put the baby in a parenthetical note but um you know i'll i'll share something that you know everybody has a different experience and everybody has different beliefs but what i found interesting was more recently i actually had a, a call with a medium and um i asked if it was possible to connect with that lost child and i didn't know if it was because I wasn't far along in my pregnancy when, when I miscarried. 
Um, right. but it, but we were able to connect with them. Wow. And what was interesting in what the medium was able to share with me about connecting with them was that, um, that wonderful little being was able to say to me, it wasn't, it wasn't my time. It wasn't right for me. Right. We Which weren't, wasn't there, right for you either. There wasn't, there was something that, that wasn't right about our timing. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of like, so, you know, don't, don't feel, you know, kind of like, don't, don't beat yourself up. Don't feel like you did something. Don't hold shame or guilt around, um, you know, my life not coming into the world. It was not yeah. meant to be. Um, yeah. And I, I personally was like, wow, like, you know, knowing where I am now, knowing some of the things that happened around that time period, the direction that I ended up going. Um, and, and I can, I can really honor that and see how life would have been different. Divorce life would have been different. Mom life would have been different. So many things would have been different and harder and maybe less possible if I had two little ones right. under two, um, to care for, you know, it might not have been as easy and safe to have walked out of a day job with two months living expenses. If I had two little ones. Um, so, you know, I think that there is something to say for it being a full on tower moment in all of the things. And, yeah. um, while it's still extremely, you know, bittersweet in August around the time of the anniversary when that little one would have been born. Um, I, I definitely believe that there is a blessing even in the worst of our experiences. If we, if we choose, if we choose to look at them and try to find them, it doesn't mean we're not angry. It doesn't mean that we don't need to figure out how to heal or make peace, or it doesn't mean that, you know, uh, miscarriage doesn't suck or sexual assault doesn't suck or domestic violence doesn't suck. I'm not suggesting that we are, we are meant to experience pain necessarily, but right. just that, um, there, I think there is a greater plan. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know how those things fit together, but I think that there is a greater plan. And I think that we're, we're given the invitation to find some sort of meaning out yeah. of our pain. I totally agree. And I, I can say from my experience that all of the trauma that I've gone through in my life, particularly when I was younger, is what allowed me to um, understand my gifts. It's through that trauma that I saw my gifts. And yeah, I totally, I totally agree with that. Um, I th and I think it's, you know, like you said, we always have a choice of the perspective. Um, and, and to see like, the why behind things that are happening for us. And it's always to lead us towards something else or something better. And that's how intuition works. You know, intuition is not like, it's not there to make us suffer, but if we don't listen to it, we will suffer a little bit, you know? Um, and I think it's just a question of getting used to like trusting it right away, listening to it right away. Um, which is the thing that we don't do very often because our left brain kicks in. It's like, no, no, don't do that thing. You're going to die <laughs> when really, no, no. When you do that thing, you're going to expand and you're going to grow and you're going to experience all kinds of wonderful things. So, yeah, I love this. And um, I'm curious, are you being nudged towards another book? Is I mean, I know that, okay, what a stupid question. Rewind. Clearly you're being nudged towards several other books um, because I know you, um, 
What is the next one that's tugging at your gut? Yeah. So right now I'm co-authoring something with a power partner. Um, I wouldn't say that that's tugging at my gut, but more like we, we hit it off in a conversation. We started to riff on an idea and then we thought, oh my gosh, this would make a really great book. Um, so it's in the nonfiction space and it's to help other writers and authors kind of figure out what they need to know about writing a good book that will sell before they're actually writing it or while they're writing it. Um, so I'm working on that and I really see that mostly as like a good kind of business marketing activity. Um, I wouldn't say it's a passion project. Um, the next, the next book that's really kind of tugging on my heartstrings, um, is another memoir because that's, that's my jam. Uh, and it's loosely titled right now when I die. And, um, that's kind of a coined phrase uh, from a woman who is going to be a main character in this memoir. And she was introduced in Dear Universe as Lonnie, uh, who was my daycare provider. Um, she shows up in the chapter where um, the kind of racist thing happened on the playground and I get into trouble. Um, for those listening, I was not being racist. I was trying to, <laughs> I was trying to protect <laughs> the person on the playground against the racial slur, uh, but I got in trouble. You'll have to read the book to figure out what that means. Um, <laughs> but Lonnie was there uh, uh, at the end of the day to process through with me kind of what had happened. And then she appears again later in the book when um, I stand up to be recognized as a, as a rape survivor in grad school, she's there with my mom and my sister. So she's this very important character in my life. Um, she only gets a little bit of page time in Dear Universe and now she's gonna get a whole book. Um, but Lonnie uh, had cancer. She got cancer the first time when I was 12 and the cancer came back um, a number of years ago. I, I might've been pregnant with my son at that point. So this would have been six years ago uh, at least. Um, and we kind of knew that this time probably she wasn't going to beat it. Um, so it was a really long handful of years that she struggled. And, um, but my whole life, especially when she got cancer the first time, she would start these conversations with Alyssa, when I die, hmm. uh, when I die, so-and-so can have this thing over here on the wall. When I die, I think I want, you know, X, Y, or Z. Um, and it was, I think her way of like, Kind of normalizing that we're none of us are going to live forever and i think once she got sick the first time i think it was a way of really trying to work out what she wanted for plans and to have her wish um so lonnie passed away from cancer january of 2021 um but i was with her every single day for that last week wow and um, it was a really powerful experience. It was a real testament to the bond that we shared, to the uh, role that we each played in each other's lives um, in different ways. Uh, she's known me since I was six weeks old. That's when I started going to daycare. Um, so she's literally in my photo albums as frequently as my own parents. Uh -huh. um, you know, so it's like, I like to think that it's going to be um, Joan Didion's Year of Magical Thinking meets Tuesdays with Maury. <laughs> um, maybe not quite as funny and punchy as Dear Universe, uh, but I think, I think heartfelt and warm and um, truly a, 
truly a spotlight on what our, our greatest of friendships and our greatest of bonds, you know, bring to our life and to our death. Mm. Oh my God. Please write that book. I'm like literally all fuzzy inside. I just want to read that book. It sounds amazing. <laughs> and she sounds amazing also. Um, oh, writing books, publishing, all of it is just, and I love this idea of like, you know, you were saying at the beginning how like everybody has a story and like just pulling those stories out of people are so, it's so inspiring and powerful. And like, that's life. Like this is life. People's stories are life. And I know that for me, I often get lost in a book where someone is really talking about their life memoir style, you know, because I feel like right now we're just so pulled online and social. Well, I'm, I've been trying to disconnect lately, but like social media and online and like this, all of this surface level stuff that's being vomited at us every single day um, that doesn't reflect the real life of human beings on the planet, you know? And so it's so nice to dig into real life stories. Um, and this is what I love about your book. It's so, I don't feel like you... I really don't feel like you wrote it from your head. I really feel like you wrote it from your heart because it feels like you're, we're just sitting down having coffee and you're talking to us. Um, and I can, I can, I don't feel like you overthought this book at all. It was just really raw and honest and, and it's so fluid reading it. So, yeah. So it's interesting that you say that. I'm so glad that that's the way it comes across because what always was surprising to me while I was working on it was that it felt easy. Mm, yeah. And I was like, hmm. <laughs> I was pretty sure for a while that since it felt so easy that it was going to be complete crap. I'm not yeah. going to lie. Like yeah. I was expecting to struggle once I got going and feel like I didn't know what I was doing and that this wasn't really powerful. Um, and what was interesting, it was like, I struggled before I got going. And then once I got going, I didn't struggle anymore. Yeah. So my fears, my doubts, my imposter syndrome, whatever it was, was preventing me from getting further along. Once I kind of conquered that and figured out, well, what, what is all of that about? And, and it actually took me going to Utah <laughs> and taking a week long, um, I think it was a week, uh, kind of intensive with an intuitive who helped us really understand our auras and essences and how we function in the world and our shadow side and our light side and all of our gifts. And that kind of thing, that I was able to break through these blocks that I was having in my own creative yeah. work and develop a framework for writing Dear Universe. And so yeah. I worked on this framework while I was there. And then I followed my own framework throughout. And once I got going, I was just like, this feels right. And this feels right. And this feels right. And by the time I got done, like the first draft, I remember thinking, I think I've got something here. Yeah, I think, I think maybe this is going to be good. <laughs> like, like there was like this little inkling of doubt that entire time that I hadn't quite acknowledged until I was done the first draft. And then I thought, no, I think, I think this is actually going to land with people. Um, and you know, when I started to send it out to, to beta readers or the person who did the manuscript critique, eventually the endorsers, like, you know, every single person, you know, they were just coming back and they were like, oh my gosh, this part hit me deeply. Or I love the way that this, this sounds, or, oh my gosh, I can't wait to share this with so-and-so. And, um, and it's continued to be like that. It's this special little gift to the world because people, people lean in and yeah. 
um, you know, it, you know, you've compared it, I think, to a, a you know, a chat or like getting a getting a hug. Um, somebody <laughs> else compared it to uh, um, sitting down with like a warm cup of tea and a chocolate chip cookie fresh out of the oven. Um, <laughs> what, a good, what a good analogy for that book. Oh. You know? um, and so like these things, like they, they just, they, they fill me up, you know, um, because I, I never, I never wanted it to be, I, I wanted it to be an easy read and I wanted it to come across easily, but, but not because it was, um, superficial yeah. or, depth or, or meaning or anything like that. Yeah. And I think that's such a good point. Like oftentimes we make our lives more complicated by not just following the flow of something that comes easy to us. Like we're like, oh no, that was too easy. I need to make this way more hard because it's not supposed to be this easy. But the thing that is just meant to flow through us is easy. And I yeah. just experienced this writing my book right now. I had been working on a book for like 15 years. <laughs> seriously, which never came out into the world. And I, every time I went back to it, I hated it. And it was because I was overthinking it. I was trying to like, I was trying to write a bestseller essentially, which was like worst thing ever, I think to, to, to worst way to approach writing. And then, um, this year when I was prompted to, um, write a book through a project that I was in, I was just like, what do I love talking about? Intuitive living. Like, leading business and life intuitively intuition and then what that looks like and I was like, I'm just gonna write about that and because this project was like a simple like it was it was meant to be actually like a lead gen book um I didn't overthink it she was just like just write just just write just write what you know like write what you love what inspires you and in like two months I wrote the book and I was like and every time I go back to it I'm like I fucking love this book it is, I love it. It's so, it feels so like rich and deep and true and not manufactured at all. It really feels like it channeled through me. Um, and I'm actually like, I, I've actually allowed myself to, to take a little bit more time with it. Cause I'm like, there's so much more I want to say about this. So um, I think that we, yeah, we forget how easy things can be. So yeah, we just, we don't have to make our lives so hard and so complicated. Um, and, and so I love that it, that it felt easy to you after you went, like, this is a thing again, I know I'm a little bit obsessed talking about the brain, but I get, I really nerd out on like physiology and all that anatomy and all that stuff, but you never see <laughs> kids get creative blocks. It's actually the opposite, right? You have to stop them from playing. Cause you have, they have to go off and, you know, do left brain stuff, like brush their teeth and go eat dinner and stuff like that. But they don't get blocks because they're in their creative energy all the time. They're in the right brain. And so I actually think that when we get creative blocks, it's just because we're spending too much time in our left brain. We're just overthinking stuff too much and we're not playing enough. We were talking about this when we started just like play and having fun and we forget about that. So yeah, I am so excited for your next book and um, super excited to share this episode with everybody because it's it's a really perfect example again of what it looks like when we say yes to our yes, which is our intuition, um, what it looks like when we don't, because I talk about both of those things um, all the time. And both are necessary for us to learn to get to know our intuition and know what is intuition and what isn't. Um, 
so yeah, I'm just, this was, this was so, so great. Um, we're obviously going to share all your links and all your wonderful things um, in the show notes, but is there anything you'd like to share about just kind of what you're working on, what you're working on, what you're supporting people with right now, um, or how people can work with you if they want to explore writing or something like yeah, that? Yeah, so um, I would say if, if people want to have a kind of longer conversation one-to-one, and talk about what they're working on and how I might be able to support them, then um, signing up for a coffee and craft call with me would be the best avenue. Um, but if there are people okay. out there who are looking for um, writing community, writing time, accountability, and they're looking for a little bit of instruction, um, then I would really suggest people join my writing bar. Um, that is three times a month. We meet for an hour at a time at different times throughout the month so that we catch people's different schedules and time zones. Um, and we always have 15 minutes of writing instruction at the top of the hour, 30 minute writing sprint in the middle of uncensored writing, you just write. And then 15 minutes on the other side, that's, um, I'm calling it pop seat coaching um, okay. because I don't like laser. We're not beaming anybody anywhere. Um, and it's kind of like a pop quiz. You don't know if you're gonna be laser coached until you're there and I call on you. Right. So, okay. Um, so yeah, so instruction, writing time and coaching and um, everybody's working on different things in there. It's really mostly about the writing and the practice of writing and sharpening your skills and not getting in your own way. Mm, I love that. That sounds so fun. I'm like, I need to be in that thing. Why am I not in there? What, 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 what did I miss? I missed the boat. What the hell? Yeah. And it's super, super, super awesomely priced. It's $27 a month or it's 259 wow. for the year. I mean, it's, wow. it's, and you're getting like tons of value. I mean, it's just amazing. Okay. Yeah. I'm in. I'm in <laughs> raising my hand. <laughs> Yes. I realized lately just how much I love writing. Like I, I didn't realize how much I loved it. And I actually got some feedback lately and I'm like, oh, I'm actually good at this. Like people are like impressed with my writing. So yeah, I, I, and it's just such a nice escape. I love writing. It's so, so therapeutic and yeah, it's really good. Well, my dear Ali, thank you so much for hanging out with us today and sharing your story. I know it's going to be super heartfelt for many people and, um, you know, you and I are connected all the time, so we will continue to see each other for sure. And we will put all the links, um, in the show notes of the podcast so people can go find you and follow you. So thank, thank you so much. much. Thank you for all your wonderful questions. And for being such a lover of Dear Universe. Oh my gosh, you're like my stark raving fan and I want to duplicate you all over the globe. I mean, I can do a photo shoot with your book if you want. I'd, I'd love to. <laughs> <laughs> Next time you pick it up, I want you to pose with it all crazy like and <laughs> send it my way. <laughs> Next time I go to the beach for like a co-working day at the beach, I'm totally bringing the book. We're going to do that. Awesome. I actually dressed it up in toddler's clothes when it, tur it turned one. <laughs> I don't know if you saw those on Instagram. You'll have to probably go back a ways, but I borrowed my niece's like unicorn headband and her tutu. Yeah. Yeah. Literally dress the book up like, you know, how parents do like when they're yeah. turning. Yeah. So put it in a bathing suit. I bet you oh. dear, you look great with a bikini top. Just saying. Oh, some sunglasses. Okay. Maybe a colada next to it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, tequila. I'd be going for tequila for the book. That's cool too. 
<laughs> All right, this is happening. I will send you a photo of your book dressed up Mexico style. <laughs> I love it. Well, thanks, my dear. It was nice to have you. Thank you. Thank you so much for spending time with me on the podcast today. If you want to join us in leading your business and life intuitively to experience more ease, flow, and growth, check out the schoolofintuitiveleadership.com. I want to leave you with this little bit of wisdom. The actions you're not willing to take or the decisions you're not willing to make are the ones that will change your life. Trust your intuition, take the leaps, follow what you know to be true, even if it's not always easy or convenient. Because doing this will always bring you where you're meant to go next and allow you to step into the highest expression of who you came here to be. Your feedback and support means so much to me. So if you have a moment, please share your thoughts about the podcast by leaving a review or a testimonial. And if you're inspired, please share this episode with your friends and your community. I'll see you on the next episode.